Hey, AGs, are you ready to add a touch of luxury to your home, just like the Real Housewives? BCC Villa Rosa. Introducing Home Threads, where style meets comfort for the ultimate glam experience. Picture this. Chic furniture, one could even say chic c'est la vie, that mirrors the elegance of your favorite housewives' mansions. With exclusive designer collections and a curated selection, HomeThreads.com has everything you need to make your space as fabulous as the housewives themselves and always at the best value. Unlike Joe Gorka's initial attempts at windows, perhaps. Now, I have to tell you, I know that Padma is no longer on Top Chef, and may her memory be a blessing, but nothing has made me feel better prepared to host future seasons and potentially even iterations of Top Chef Upper East Side Edition than the Henkel's clad 10-piece stainless steel cookware set in silver that I got along with a two-piece stainless steel ceramic nonstick fry set from Zwilling thanks to Home Threads. It makes me feel like I am finally ready to be a top chef one egg over easy at a time. They're gorgeous. They look great in the apartment. For someone like me who lives in New York City which with a very small space, what I have in my kitchen is important because guests who come to visit me see it. And I'm so, so thankful to have discovered Home Threads because now I feel fully prepared to make eggs a la Francais. Head over to HomeThreads.com today and live your best Real Housewives life. Go to HomeThreads.com slash AndyScrolls and get a code for 15% off your first order. Again, that's HomeThreads.com slash AndyScrolls for a 15% off code off your first order. HomeThreads, love where you live. not come for me unless I swipe right for you. (laughs) I'm Richie and I'm bringing the heat five, six, seven days a week. Oh, you guys. Can we please take a moment? Mine was like so inappropriate. I thought of this morning and I was like, Sarah. I mean, I guess that's why we're rated explicit is all that I have to say. (laughs) A little bit of sass on this beautiful day. You guys, it's Andy's Girls. It's episode 236, and I'm so excited. One of my absolute favorite people in the entire world is here. You know him as news and entertainment journalist and pop culture expert. I know him as someone who just celebrated his birthday. You guys, it's Richie Sky. Richie, how are you? Ow. (laughs) I'm great. How are you? I'm so good. (laughs) I'm I'm better now. I am so excited to talk to you. I feel like there's so much for us to catch up on. There's so much going on. Oh, yes. In the world. Things are happening. How are you? You are newly married. I want to say since we last recorded, Mazel Tov. Thank you. Thank you. I am happy with that as well. (laughs) 
<laughs> can you Great imagine? Decision. Can you imagine if you were like, uh, the honeymoon period didn't exist? We're thanks for bringing that up. We're working on something different. We're gonna reboot <laughs> any minute now. How are you? How are you doing today? I'm 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 better. I told you earlier I was a little sick after my mm. birthday, but I, I think for some reason. I tend to get either really bad sinus infections after I fly sometimes. And I don't know mm. what it is. That's what it made me feel like it was because I had sinus pressure along with the fever that I was telling you about. Mm-hmm. But let me tell you why I'm feeling really good today. And I know that your view, that your listeners can't really see this. So I'm going to have to tell them and show you. <gasps> but Lisa Barlow. Oh my God. Sent me some Vita tequila. <gasps> Lisa Barlow, where is my fucking tequila, number one? Number two, Richie Sky. oh my God, were you screaming? Did you scream? I screamed. Well, we had had a DM conversation because this is how it happened. So crazy. I had a friend of mine who works in TV. He's a TV producer. Okay. He was saying that he was going to go to Salt Lake City. So I was like, oh my God, you need to go and get you some Vita tequila from Lisa Barlow. And I tagged her. <laughs> thinking that she would ever see it I mean in my mind I'm like I'm not even thinking about it I'm just like well this is what you should do you're in Salt Mm -hmm. Lake City why not Mm -hmm. and uh, I think I told him to stop by Meredith Mark's shop I'm not necessarily sure I can't remember (laughs) but he said something and I said oh and then I'll come down to Miami when you get back home because he lives in Miami and I said we can have some shots together so then Mm -hmm. she messaged me and said we'll get you some tequila oh my first off and true to her word have you tried it? What are we? Thinking? I did. So I filmed the show right before I got online with you because I'm busy beaver. Uh, and I opened it on my show and I took a shot. Okay. So I'm, I'm not toasted yet, but it's really good and really smooth. Did you do like a straight shot? Did you have it on the rocks? Did you chill? Oh, I had it? A what was your process? Did you have a line? shot? Okay. Oh my God. No, I didn't even need a line. <gasps> Wow, because tequila, I mean, it's like when I think of tequila, listen, first off, number one, die for tequila, but I had so many like tequila turtle times in college that sometimes just thinking about it, I'm like, (laughs) oh my God, my tongue, but that was like, well, tequila warmed over when my friend did a body shot so that we could get free drinks and she could get attention. (laughs) Like it was not, that was not real tequila. That was not Those are, those are death shots. Okay. Now. What's funny is for my birthday, we were in Puerto Vallarta and I, we mm. went on a tequila tasting. Ooh. So I got to try a lot of different tequilas. And so I really learned how to take the tequila shot. You have to sniff it first mm-hmm. and then you taste and then you swish it around and then you breathe and then you swallow. So I was able to do the same thing with this. And really, I did not need any lemons or any chasers or anything like that afterwards. I have to say, there is nothing better than a tequila tasting or a wine tasting. Mm. I went to San Miguel de Allende, which is like voted like the most wonderful, beautiful place in the world a bajillion times in Mexico right before COVID in December 2019. My friend and I went to a private tasting at like the residence of Casa Dragones. I don't know if you know, they are like the fucking best. And they did a tasting of their tequila hoven, I want to say. And it was 
one of several nights I interacted with Dr. Deb during my trip Ooh. to San Miguel, which you guys can listen Dr. to. Dr. Deb. Yeah. I recapped it when I got back. I got into a little <laughs> bit of trouble. A little bit of trouble. Um, Bronwyn unrecently unblocked me. Uh, sorry. Bronwyn recently unblocked me, and I am treasuring every moment of this. And so I am going to be very careful with what I say right now. But um, I, it was just so delightful because there's something about going to like a tasting and hearing from people who work so closely with, you know, the delight mm -hmm. that you're trying and it just feels so wonderfully bougie and just yes. everything. It's like the perfect vacation activity, I have to say. It, it, I've never done one before, but I loved every minute of it. Loved you know, every minute of it. My, somewhere Bethany is listening to our conversation. She's so pissed. We're not talking about Skinny Girl, but it's fine. Listen, we didn't go to a Tequila Mexico, Bethany. Just deal with it. We're not ready, wearing red or white today, so we couldn't. They talked about it enough on the show, and if she's True. not coming back, she's not going to get the spoils of us promoting oh, that brand right that's now. That's what happened. Sorry. Sorry. Okay, what were you going to tell me, though? What were you going to tell me? Speaking of, and I know not on the, the docket for today, but doesn't it have to, and and you don't have to respond because I don't want to get you in any more trouble with Bronwyn, but it must feel <laughs> kind of sucky to have your, one of your BFFs, Noella, joining the cast that you were just let go from for the new season, which they're dubbing Sweet 16, and you're not even a part of it. That's gotta hurt. You know what's got to hurt more is that her other friend, Dr. Jen, is also a part of the cast. So Lies. they went with two of Bronwyn's so here's my question to production did they and this isn't a critique and I'm so all in about the cast I'm so so excited uh you know I I might even watch last seasons I just really for me I wasn't participating <laughs> in a boycott I just like didn't want to you know I know but it's like you're you're saying that with your eyes right now I don't know I don't know if it's actually gonna happen but I'm so excited for Orange County to return to its splendor me too me there, too there are rumors that they just filmed their first big group event and Shannon and Heather got into it because Heather allegedly asked how David and the kids were and Shannon was like deeply offended because I love my queen but she is a sensitive <laughs> she's a sensitive nine lemons in a vault but um so putting that aside it sounds like it's gonna be magical my question to production is did you know that Bronwyn wasn't going to be in the cast and was like looking for introductions, which to me, sidebar, doesn't make a lot of sense. Or were you just doing a general casting? She introduced you to people and you decided, you know what? Those people are great and maybe not you. Like, what does that process you think look like? Here's what I heard. Tell me okay. everything. Oh my I God. won't. Spill. I spill. Oh God. I, there's so much that I know, but I, <gasps> I won't say everything because then it'll give away how I know. But what I will say is... <laughs> This I heard that Noella was in consideration for last season. Okay. But somehow, I don't know what happened. Maybe they went with Elizabeth instead. And Ugh. she was supposed to come in maybe mid-season and do some filming, but it never really panned out. Because you, you will remember Bronwyn and Noella were traveling quite a bit last year quite yeah. a bit yeah, and yeah, noella yeah. i mean she's about that life she's that she has yeah, that she, jet set life for it's days. legit yeah yeah yeah. Yeah, yeah yeah so it looked to me like they had already had their eye on her for this season 
And I unfortunately think that Bronwyn just sort of maybe became a little too much for maybe the net for what the network wanted for this coming season. I mean, didn't Andy once say at some point he was like, I really just think she and I'm fucking this up. So I apologize. I'm sure I'm getting this wrong. But he's he said something along the lines of like, I just really think she needs to like focus on what's going on at home and her response, not necessarily to him, but that thinking was like, wait, but you guys saw like the worst, most difficult parts of my life. I wanted to show you something like me kind of coming out of the storm a little bit. What are your thoughts on that? Well, I personally actually felt the same way. Mm -hmm. I don't have a dislike for her. Mm -hmm. I just think that there are certain types of chaos and confusion that absolutely work for television. Mm -hmm. Karen Huger is my queen of chaos and confusion. She's one of my favorite housewives. <laughs> it works because she's completely in control mm -hmm. of herself, her narrative, and anything that goes on with her. Whereas you didn't, with Bronwyn, there was chaos and confusion and there was a lack of control from my perception. So when you have that lack of control, it tends to kind of veer off the rails in a Kim Richards kind of way. Mm -hmm. And that's no disrespect, disrespect to Kim Richards because I love her. I think Kim, completely opposite of yeah. Bronwyn, makes for good TV, but it's really at, I think, her personal expense. Mm-hmm. You know, and it probably at production's expense as well. But I, I just think that Bronwyn, she was tough to understand as a viewer to me. And I'm a gay man. Okay. So it, I, I don't know. <laughs> it's like, welcome to the community. But also, I just don't know that you're specific. <laughs> everything that's going on. I mean, it feels like they... Uh, sort of removed the two most polarizing. And again, I, truly, I can go fuck myself because I haven't seen last season. But from what I've heard, it appears that they removed the two most polarizing individuals on the cast. And that was their mm -hmm. way of doing a reset. Kelly, yep. not necessarily. For, and again, truly can go fuck myself because I haven't watched last season. But uh, Kelly, it appears, was much more polarizing off camera than she was on, but it still had a negative toxic effect. And allegedly a lot of Bronwyn's stresses and sort of the darkness that came out and a little bit of that chaos was really polarizing from what people saw on screen versus on social. So I feel like not to compare the two to each other, obviously it's two very different situations, dynamics and complexities, but it just seemed like the network was like, this is the, the true only path for us to do a reset. Probably mm -hmm. not helped by the fact that Bronwyn didn't have any friends that were in the current cast. And the network was like, listen, if we bring you on, but with your two friends, this is going to create such an obvious immediate alliance that we're just going to continue with this like group split in a way yeah. that doesn't further the story. Yeah. Yeah. And it takes away, I mean, I'm a longtime OC fan. So mm. there's a lot of nostalgia that goes along with that particular city for me anyway. Mm -hmm. And I know for a lot of the fans and I just am ready for them to get back to that. I mean, I know we're not going to be whooping it up, but <laughs> you know, I want some champs. 
you know. I mean, <laughs> I want my champagne Colette. mommy in my life. Yes, pop the Colette. <laughs> I mean, champagne mommy. <laughs> There's so much. I mean, listen, Richie, we need to talk about it. It's like I was like, do we talk about Potomac? Do we talk about Beverly Hills? But you're bringing up champagne mommy. Everything. So I everything. think there's a lot for us to discuss i mean i put up a poll on ig that was like do you believe the car accident story that erica told us about that revealed on this week and it was like as of this morning 90 percent no 10 percent yes i mean i just have to say i i feel i'm feeling i'm going through a difficult journey with this and probably not in the ways that people expect but I do want to start by getting your thoughts on Beverly Hills as a season so far and specifically last night Beverly Hills as a season so far is exciting Mm. for me it 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 is my a part of my uh midweek joy Mm -hmm. I actually feel like if they kept filming up like this, you could give me Beverly Hills for the rest of the year and I would be a-okay. And I used to feel that way about New York, but um, <laughs> we'll get to that later, I'm sure. Maybe. But Maybe, uh, <laughs> Maybe not. Maybe not. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. Um, but yeah, I, I feel like it's exciting to me again. I feel like, and it doesn't have to always be a blow up fight for it to be exciting. Mm -hmm. There's some magic that they've developed with this cast that is intriguing and the way they're telling the story and they're unfolding things little by little, it's satisfying to me and it seems to be satisfying to the fans as well. Mm -hmm. But that's my feeling. I completely agree. And I feel like it has been such a surprise to at least me that the Erica of it all is a part of the story and a part of the narrative. But what's so interesting to me is the responses of the other women and how they try to grapple with supporting their friend off camera decisions. They're maybe making about what to say on camera and that guttural instinctive response. I was nervous that it was going to be like overwhelming Erica and it was just going to the Erica of it all was going to take over the season and what has been so delightful to me is that obviously this is an overwhelming news piece that people are talking about nationally regardless of whether or not they watch Bravo but the heart of the show feels as organic as it can possibly be. It feels very fresh. It's fascinating. And then we Mm -hmm. get these light moments, like the Kathy of it all adding in, just like the Kathy bringing her luggage, Kathy making noises and talking about her back. So as to entice someone to help her, I have never felt more seen. That is a very (laughs) mean move to make. And it just feels like we're getting, we have complications, the dynamics of Crystal and Sutton. There's so much going on and there's so much to discuss. There's just so much to Mm -hmm. say. Mm -hmm. It's interesting to watch. And I think you hit the nail on the head. The ladies carefully try to describe their reactions to Mm -hmm. things that they're 
maybe reading and seeing. And then mm -hmm. the revelation from Kyle that she's heard these rumors about Tom being unfaithful. And, you know, it's so interesting to hear such a different take on Tom this season than we've ever heard before, because suddenly he's been mean and nasty mm -hmm. for this past year. Um, you know, there's all these other things that have been going on and we're getting these, this, it's usually the same clip, but mm -hmm. there's a clip of him, you know, <laughs> there are so snapping. few, there are so few. Okay. They keep reusing this clip of him mm -hmm. snapping at her at the dinner with LVP. And I think there was even one time where they showed him kind of snapping at LVP even, mm -hmm. and which was kind of shocking that, you know, uh, you know, that that happened in and of itself but you know it's interesting to see these things unfold and that accident story was just another layer that was unfolding and as I'm watching it I'm sitting here thinking to myself where is this story going and it keeps going and then it splits off into several different directions and I felt like she contradicted herself within the tale of woe. Like, how is it that he was thrown from the car? You found him. He walked up to you. He called you. How does the other woman fit into this? Are we going to get that moment where she releases that Instagram photo of all of these messages to the, mm -hmm. the woman in question how does that all play into this? Is that moment going to be shown on camera? I want to know all of those things because none of this accident story, just to start the thing, things off, is not is not making sense to me. It wasn't. And I'm looking at the camera like, I'm looking at the TV like, what is she doing? Shouldn't she stop? No. Was, so the accident happened, according to Erica, he essentially got lost driving on or near their property, a switchback or something. I've never heard that expression, but I also truly have no idea how anything works in life. I have truly no, like when she's talking about it and people are like online, like, oh my God, that's so crazy. I live in New York for many reasons. The number one is you do not want to see me driving on a road. I have gotten into so many accidents or near because I keep forgetting to look to the left for some reason. Like when I am at an intersection, I don't know what it, I vote left, but I just don't look to the, like I am a nightmare. So like when people are like, how does he, I, a mid twenties plus spiritually or otherwise person of this world cannot drive without crazy things happening so like the idea of a man at that point in his late 70s becoming disoriented and I am you know 23 and just as much is not necessarily out of this world is shocking but so she said that he was driving near her property or not and then and feel free to again tell me I'm wrong but like he sort of went to the side or something and then there was a precipitous drop he was thrown from the car but and this is not me critiquing by the way I'm literally trying to understand he was thrown from yep. the car but had his cell phone on him but lost consciousness for 12 hours and then called her and then she found him like he didn't call 911 he called her and then she went to see him before calling 911. Is that, that's truly, I'm not even, like, that's what happened. Is that literally what happened? According to her, 
today, okay? And this is my other issue. Now, it's there's layers in this issue, and I just want to be clear about that. So just, I hope you can follow me, and I hope that the listener can follow me as well. Previously on <laughs> Real Housewives of Beverly Hills in seasons past, you know, we have gotten so little of Erica's actual, okay, personal life. Mm -hmm. And we all knew that. Mm -hmm. But even what she was giving us in retrospect was not real, at least if she's to be believed now, right? So how is it that you've been able to maneuver on this show for so long and give so little and even for what you have given us for it not to have been the actual truth of what you were experiencing with this man? So there's the first thing that is bothersome and troublesome to me about this situation, because now we're getting so much information. It almost feels like information overload. So we, the audience and the ladies on the show are all taken aback because uh, where was this information years ago? We never got any of this. They didn't get any of this. And these ladies are your friends. So now you get this whole story back in what, 2017, 2018 about this you know, accident, and it was nothing. He just, you know, hurt his ankle, you know, and that was that, you know, but now to be given so many details and with the switchback, I could, I, I've never heard that term before. Yeah, I can same. only use my context clues, but having used to live in, um, in LA and then driving at least through the canyons, right? What I can surmise is that a switchback could be one of these roads. And I used to take these roads to work all the time. Mm -hmm. And they're really kind of dangerous. Like there are really like cliffs and stuff like that with no railing. And the roads kind of just take these dramatic turns, oh right? God. So I'm assuming that maybe that's what she was talking about. But even as I look at the aerial map that people have posted online from Zillow, I cannot determine where those switchbacks are that she is talking about. So I think it's it's so much information that's being thrown at us that we never knew before. So it, it, it's, it's, it's shocking that all of this is taking place in the context of now we've we've seen the headlines right so you've seen the headlines you know what's going on with the with the victims and the court cases and this that and the third but now to peel back this other layer of an onion i'm having a hard time believing or understanding that i ever knew or that any of them ever knew who erica jane actually was or what she was experiencing and so how am i to believe her now if that makes any sense. It makes complete sense. I think it is a struggle that many of us are going through, which is the idea that we have been led to understand a certain narrative, which doesn't necessarily contrast with what she's saying now. It's just there's an expectation that we will trust her in reshaping her experience around that narrative. Like we have always seen Tom to be a controlling guy. We have seen those moments of her 
performing the act of subservience and that then contrasting so much with like the Erica Jane like the Erica Girardi is how we initially met her and then she immediately went into Erica Jane and then Erica Jane just took up more and more time what she is telling us now is that this was a dynamic that was always toxic which some of us sort of always saw the difficulty is in trying to understand the idea that she agreed to participate in this role because she was getting something in exchange security wealth access power celebrity fame and was also maybe struggling with the idea that her partner her husband her caregiver told her it would be so quickly taken away from her if she ever left or challenged him. And, you know, there is the response of many people, including Kyle, of like, that doesn't make sense to me because you appear to be such a strong person with a lot of options. And she's telling us that she felt not only optionless, but dealing with a lot of complications that happen to benefit her or Tom's defense. It does not mean she is lying to us, but I do feel like one has to communicate or really, I I can't help but say that regardless of whether or not this accident happened exactly according to what she said, the idea that he was losing his faculties soon after does not hurt him. Although one could say potentially, I would think regardless of whether she's thinking this, it could hurt her. I wonder if she really thought he was losing himself and was still practicing law. Who did she tell? And does that, you know, like there is the idea of responsibility, regardless of whether or not you work at his law firm. But if you know that this person is the absolute difference between hopefully positively changing someone's life or like maybe ruining their access to getting a lifesaver, if you know he's losing himself, who are you telling? Because it's very apparent you didn't tell your friends and if you felt like because he was constantly muting you and challenging you and telling you he would essentially punish you if you used your voice does that factor into why you maybe didn't tell anyone like I I understand this larger landscape that she's now presenting But I have some switchback questions. I have some like, okay, I didn't see this drop here. I I don't I'm not saying I don't believe her. I actually watched this and was like, there are areas of this that make sense to me from experiences that I have had in my personal life with people that have undergone traumatic injuries that have like when you are of a certain age and you go through that kind of injury understanding it wasn't just his ankle it was other parts of his body and also possibly his neurocognition if there was any kind of brain trauma or traumatic brain injury I get that and I also get the idea that there might be a reckoning of that person 
The difference, though, in my experience, what I've gone through with with loved ones versus what she has is the people that I know that have dealt with this have left their ego at the door, which I look at as like an option. I don't know if he was able to cognitively do that, but I think that maybe he was in order to say like, I cannot now practice as a result of this accident because I am not capable or I don't have that kind of capacity. And what I'm confused at when I listen to this story is like, okay, what did you do with that information? And if you're telling us that you were too afraid of being punished, we need to discuss the ways in which you were still receiving the benefits of the splendor of his crimes while knowing that something was seriously wrong. And also, from a cognitive cognitive perspective, how do we factor in the other people that Tom was working with? Are there other ways that he was really, you know, on a downward path from this? And are we getting other examples of that? Because when I first heard that they were like putting him into a conservatorship or whatever else, I thought it was complete bullshit. I didn't believe any of that. If you had told me about this accident at the beginning of the season, I wouldn't have, my gut instinct would have been like, I don't believe. I am taking her at her word for some of this because I do think that it is entirely possible that this happened, but it doesn't relieve anyone of any responsibility. No, I I think for me, it is her telling of the story Mm -hmm. that's bothersome. Yeah. Because there were inconsistencies as she continued on. So has she just simply said, you know, when I told you guys that he had that accident, it was actually a lot more serious than what I I gave you guys. Mm -hmm. And I really do feel like as a result of that and the injuries sustained in that accident, I think that that was a key moment in him starting to deteriorate and not wanting to admit it. End it. Because that has more impact than what she said. When you start getting into the minutia and, and the convoluted switchbacks and it, it, it didn't, you could tell it didn't make sense to the person sitting in front of her. And it definitely didn't make sense to the rest of us. So now those things overshadow the the point of her story, which was either A, to communicate that this was the start of the deterioration, or it was B, to introduce the idea that there was now, that there could have been another woman. And I don't understand. The thing that confused me was like when she threw that kind of out there of like, he could have been with another woman. It was obviously such an active choice. You have to think to yourself when you're going through like the federal court of it all and the questions and everything else. Obviously, she is making a choice and sharing this stuff. To me, it's a question of, okay, is this related in some way to possibly help him when it the the reasons that you were keeping this quiet prior to protect him and also yourself may actually still be the same reasons that you're now sharing and it could be totally different you know like at the end of the day people are very angry understandably so about this whole situation but none of us will truly ever know and 
you can continue to be angry and being like, she absolutely knew. She absolutely didn't know. We will never know. The challenge, the difficulty, the gray is the idea that, you know, she says in the midseason trailer, which was fucking ridiculously amazing you know like if he hid money I want to know where or whatever the line was it's like babe look at your dress look at the panther ring it's not to me it's not a matter of like he is no longer supporting me since November it's the he it's not it's not what happened since he got caught it's the many 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 years prior it's the idea that you have nothing and I get that and I don't know how you're going to pay the pool bill but also, you've got a lot of diamonds. You got a lot of pearls. Like, we know how, where the money went. We know why $2 million, which previously, Crystal's not wrong. If you're a lawyer and you're negotiating billion-dollar settlements, $2 million is not a lot of money in that world. But as we now know, it was like this weird tangential Ponzi scheme house of cards. When it all comes tumbling down, yeah, he may not have $2 million because he spent it and he spent somebody else's and he spent somebody else's on top of that. So when we're talking about like, where's the money? I don't know if there's like an accountant in Switzerland, like Scrooge McDucking his way through a tub full of like thousand dollar bills is that even a thing i don't even know honestly patreon.com um like i don't know that there are like secret accounts but i do know that she has a ton of fucking shit that isn't necessarily hers so when it comes to like where's the paper trail of dollar bills we really only need to go into her closet to see an awful lot about it and the videos of the private jets and the videos of whatever else, the lifestyle, the glam, we know where a lot of the money went. And we also now understand why there is probably nothing left. Yeah. And, and you know, I, I'm, I'm, I previously was one of those people that was like, oh yeah, she knew everything. Same. This whole divorce was just, you know, her way of getting out of this and getting in the clear. Maybe he thought that this would be good for her to do to get her out of it. Or maybe this was another way for him to hide money so that she had, I, I, I did think that. But as I watched the season, I've also committed to just listening to the story mm -hmm. and just following her on the journey as she goes you know, obviously I feel for the victims and what's going on, but mm -hmm. I also wanted to try to separate out what is she experiencing and what, what does she have to say and, and follow that along. It just became difficult for me this week because I was like, the more she talks, the less I believe. And I don't know, I don't know what she can do to, to rectify that, I just don't feel like, I feel like the, the truth is typically so easy to tell. And sometimes I just feel like, I don't know that I'm getting the direct truth, but maybe I'm getting whatever she can say, you know, and she's talking around things and being very careful. And maybe when you are afraid, maybe that's what happens. I don't know. I don't know, but I'm just trying to follow her, her journey. I mean, there is a disconnect of someone who told us for years that everything was fine and she was actively participating in this thing and like life was good. And then when you veer off in a totally different direction for reasons that are, are obviously understandable when it comes to like the fight for your future and your life, 
just looking through it through the lens of Erica only there is the moment of like okay but we we were told something else for many years it is apparent that you did not tell your friends these close friends in your life the truth of what was going on and you know then I read Brian Moylan's recap of Beverly Hills this week where he's like yeah I was told a similar story when I was working on her book of like this is more serious that if I'm remembering this correct that it was like more serious than she initially let on the the that he was told a version of what she told the women at in um wherever the fuck misty desertville what is it the <laughs> desert town i don't know La Quinta. It, La Quinta. so it's, La- it says La Quinta, but it's really kind of like palm springs i think palm wherever you know love it into it take me there let me be i mean i would steal kyle's goddamn house are you kidding me like <laughs> i fucking love sad those guest rooms i was like fuck me this is money um but it's it's the tension of the reveal of like the idea that yeah this is this could have happened however she discussed it last night and last night she she also brought up this thing that like was maybe supposed to be a surprise to the women but was not in any way I can't say in any way that the idea of Tom stepping out or having affairs or whatever you want to call them is in any way a surprise that was the least surprising thing to me what was more surprising was the surprise of the other women like, in what way do we think that this was a traditional marriage in the sense of, like, we are going to stay faithful to... I never had that assumption out of their relationship. So the fact that the other women were communicating surprise about that was genuinely surprising to me. But it is the conflict of, like, her revealing this information, which may have happened in the way that she described it, but me thinking in my head, like, it is the improv for the soul of, like, yes, and. This may have happened. He he did get into a – he may have gotten into a car accident. He may have gotten gravely injured, which you wanted to keep private, which he pressured you to keep private or you knew would not work if you didn't. It would be negative for him, maybe professionally or otherwise. But and what? You know what I'm saying? Like, okay, and he cheated and he stepped out on you. And I'm assuming the text reveal from Instagram that we all remember is going to happen on the next episode or the episode following, just going off the time frame that people have been researching and telling us about online. God bless. But it's like the yes and of all of this. Like, I, I wish I was the person who I think I was previously of like, well, she can just go fuck herself because we know of all of the people that were harmed in this. It is a much more difficult journey to do exactly what you said, which is just watch the show and watch this play out. Because at the end of the day, We truly do not know if she knew. What we do know is that many, many vulnerable people have been harmed by his thieving criminal behavior. And we also know that Erica benefited from it. And him stooping whomever and getting into a serious car accident, which may have uh, further made him in some way incapacitated or whatever, which he was able to pretend was okay in professional settings or whatever else. The yes and is, and he was still practicing and he was still stealing. 
you know, like it is possible for this to all, it's possible for all of this to be true and, and correct that there are elements. Her story could be totally valid. And maybe she did just find out because of something that Yolanda found out about David, which we have yet to uncover what she meant there. Like was David cheating on Yolanda? Like what the fuck did Yolanda find out on David's phone? That was oddly thrown in there. Nobody's reacting to that. You and I are (laughs) reacting to that. Cause I'm like, give me some more of those lemons. Let's squeeze that juice a little bit further. But like, regardless of all of that, people were still gravely injured and she still benefited. And it doesn't mean that we are not asking the question of, did she know? But I think you and I can both acknowledge as outsiders, we have the benefit of not being directly impacted by this, aside from being viewers, which right, makes us right. number one. <laughs> but like, aside from that, we have the benefit of being able to be open-minded enough to continue to challenge the ways that she benefited from this, but also open the door to the idea that we truly will never know and let us discuss what we are seeing now play out. Yep. Yep. That's all we can do. That's all we can do. It's all we can do. And it is very difficult. And I heard from a lot of people after the episode who were like, can't wait to hear your thoughts. Can't wait to hear your thoughts. And I listen, love hearing that. Are you kidding? Like die for those (laughs) messages. But also like, I can't wait to get them. You know, like I can't wait to develop thoughts in my head. (laughs) I watched that episode and I was honestly got to tell you super confused. I was like, okay, this is new information. What is going on? How does that impact his behavior after? If he was thieving before and thieving after, like explain to me the ways that his cognition became impaired to the extent that maybe this conservatorship does happen to benefit him in some ways legally, but also is truly necessary. Like there's so many different layers to this And also the idea that, like, the information being presented, when did the switch happen? Did it happen when you found out that he was committing crimes? Of you saying, like, I can now reveal this stuff to my friends, a.k.a. the world? Like, there's so, I have so many questions. Yeah, and I think my other question is, and it just came to me as as you were talking, I was asking myself and I want to ask you do you think that Bravo will keep her for the next season because when I think back on it what she's facing now are potential lawsuits from the victims because we know that that can happen now mm-hmm. is this does, does she become like a Sonia Morgan where because you know Sonia was going through lawsuit after mm-hmm. law, you know for, for a couple of years while she was on New York it wasn't highlighted in this way because it wasn't as it wasn't read as national news like that, but she still was going through it. Will we see more of that for Erica as she goes on? Or do they say, hey, you know, this is an issue that you need to deal with. Go handle it. You know, what do they do moving forward? I mean, it's such a good question. And I think we have to go based off of their behavior. Now it is very apparent that they are protecting her 
and there may be reasons for them to do so. They might truly believe that she didn't know. They might also say that has nothing to do with us, that we have followed her life for several years. years. Now there's national awareness and focus, and she actually benefits the show to keep her on. I mean, Andy's responses to this, and this isn't even a critique from me, but it is very apparent that he is not interested in some of the minutiae for this or even discussing the minutiae related mm. to this and the criminal of it all. And, you know, look at what Michael Rappaport said when he went on. I forget if it was when he was on Radio Andy or Watch What Happens. Watch had, What Happens Live, definitely. Yeah, he had a lot to say, a lot of which I fervently disagree with. He was critiquing the Bravo community for discussing the criminal acts and behavior and raising the idea of was she complicit in this aside from did she benefit? And he's like, how dare you? She's our queen. She's given us so much. And it's like, babe, she's given you so much based on money that was stolen. Like, why don't, how do you not understand that? That the idea that she has given us so much and she's so fabulous. What we're all understanding is that foundation, the fucking gravel was pulled out of somebody else's backyard. Like, how do you not understand that the problem isn't in the anger or frustration that a lot of people feel. The problem is with the problem. You know, like the communication of the problem, You that is, that is the least of the issues here. You know, like if you're talking, people are angry. Yeah, babe. Many, many vulnerable people. <laughs> and you are weaponizing empathy that people think for their victims because you like her on TV. Like that to me is a wild take but I do also understand that there's a vested interest that the network feels in protecting her as best they can because it's protecting talent but it's really protecting the show you know I, I think a lot of times he's oddly out of touch but what what I will say about the situation with Erica and what he said is that when I look back at the history of housewives and iconic moments and iconic statements and things that we always remember, Erica Jane does not exist in that plane of thought in mm. terms of iconic moments on mm -hmm. housewives. Okay. Mm -hmm. The only time that she is going to be and 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 who knows what what's going to happen going forward, but this time in this period of time right now is probably the most iconic she will ever mm -hmm. be mm -hmm. so I, I just i have to disagree with what he said about that because it's not like she's this you know iconic housewife she may go down in history from this point forward as being one of them based on how she maneuvers through this but i just think that it uh i, I disagree with the way he feels like we should just ultimately throw support behind her because of her status and what she's given us as a housewife i disagree with that i mean and people can have erica jane as their number she they could say Absolutely. like she was like yeah. iconic to me historically am i gonna put her up there with like fucking nini and bethany of course i'm not but exactly does she, does she maybe be does she maybe work in a realm of like a Dorinda? Maybe you could argue a Margaret Josephs or something in terms of someone coming in mid franchise who had like a really dis different, interesting personality for the group. Like I'm not going to begrudge you for that take, but I am going to raise questions about the ways in which she is presenting what still may be true and what maybe happened and the idea that there is that other part here and the complication is like 
this is the show isn't about the victims. We can ask questions about them and I want the women to ask questions about them. But the show is about Erica's life. It is always going to be seen through her lens and the complications when her cast members disagree with that perspective and disagree with the reality that she's presenting. And then you get into the minutiae on top of that of like what happens if everybody is supporting her, their friend, their co-star. What happens when someone else adds in what may be the smallest amount of challenge, which I think we're going to see with Sutton. And then Mm -hmm. Erica's response is to threaten her, which is maybe not the greatest look. Like, I wonder how Michael Rappaport is going to watch that moment. He will probably think to himself, yes, yes. Oh, Erica, go off. I'm thinking, hold on a second. Having no idea what Sutton actually asks, the idea that, like, in a scene, she's like, maybe we were misled. Like, babe, that's not, that is the baseline of maybe we were misled. And Erica's like, how dare you say I lied? What? And see, that's what bothers me because really and truthfully up until that point, what you have given us has technically been a lie. It is. You are telling us it literally is not the full truth of your experience. And then your expectation is for us to trust in you as you reveal this, as we trusted or understood between the lines before you are asking us to read the book only through like between the lines, but there was already text on the page What happens when someone does both? What I think Sutton is introducing is the idea that she is doing both. She's understanding. She's empathizing with you. She's sharing stuff that happened with her father's death by suicide moments when she was at her lowest. She has every right, as do hundreds of thousands of other people, of saying, I understand what you are telling us now. I also understand how much it conflicts with what you were telling us before and it would be wild for somebody to not on camera or otherwise question the idea that as we now know Tom was lying and was committing credible uh, criminal acts and his wife as we know was literally benefiting them with the shoes with the Chagall with the diamonds and rosé It would be wild for someone to say how much of this, of what we're now hearing, is the full story. We've never heard the full story before, including when we thought it was the full story. And now we're getting Mm -hmm. the full story, and now we understand the pressure on someone to present a certain kind of full story. Of course you're going to talk about it. We're only getting the full story because there's another story developing in the headlines. If these, if the full story were being unveiled to us <clears throat> naturally, out of out of the blue, because of, because of her out from her own volition, then that would be different, and it would be a lot more believable. But you can't blame Sutton for questioning something when she's seeing one thing in the news, and now you're telling us something different. But you're only telling us because of what we're seeing in the news. Mm -hmm. It wasn't because you wanted to. 
It's now because it feels like you have to. And that's troublesome to me. I mean, it would be wild not to acknowledge that. And what is the problem of someone acknowledging what needs to be acknowledged? Like, it is wild to me to be like, how dare you ask questions that are honestly so unbelievably obvious? In what way do you think you have any right to say, how dare you? And this isn't a threat. It's a promise. How dare you question me when I have only now exhibited behavior one has honestly no right but to question. Like, it's not even saying she's complicit in this or that she was actively involved, which, again, we will never know. Right. It is saying that we've been fed a lot of lies. How do we navigate the truth? That's not an absurd question. That is, like, to me, the most obvious question. And if I was a friend of hers a close friend of hers and she's sharing all of this information now and never did before. I don't know. Like what is, why does Erica have such a high level, high bar for friends, for people to shut the fuck up and not ask any questions when she has delivered at such a minimum when it comes to friendships, which are usually based on trust vulnerability consistently consistency and you're telling us you had a vest there was a reason why you weren't doing any of that before but now you're demanding it from other people now like how does that in any way make sense you know to to quote the great kathy hilton Mm. life is like a game of poker and everybody's got to show their cards Can I just say, I need to talk to you about Kathy Hilton. But first, what a pivot. What a pivot. Speaking of showing some cards, I am so excited about the full deck. None of these words make sense, by the way. (laughs) About the fact that I have to say and give a shout out to a certain Bravo Labs new project, which is actually sponsoring this episode. And he's someone that you and I both know. We know Jeff Lewis from the hit Bravo series Flipping Out and his serious XM radio show, Jeff Lewis Live. And now Jeff is bringing you a brand new podcast we think you'll love called Jeff Lewis Has Issues. Can I please tell you, I have seen every episode of Flipping Out, the Zoila of it all. Talk about Oh my God. Talk about That's some friendships. That's why I used to and- watch that show. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, who did it? The friendships, the vulnerabilities. We're not even mentioning Jenny. But we should. I mean, so many crises and, you know, whether it's drama with family and friends to parenting or relationships, there's no denying that Jeff Lewis has expressed or shown us some issues. So Jeff is joined on his new show, Jeff Lewis Has Issues by friends, experts, and celebrities from Tamara Judge and Jackie Schimmel to Judge Lauren Lake, 
Patty Stanger, sidebar Patty, please help me with my life, and others as they take a no-holds-barred deep dive into every detail of Jeff's life. Come for the laughs, leave feeling so much better about your own life, and check out Jeff Lewis Has Issues. You can subscribe now on Stitcher, Pandora, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen. Shout out to Jeff Lewis Has Issues. I just have to say that Jeff Lewis did truly always make me feel better when I saw him like raging against the machine that was like his heart <laughs> and watching that every week. So I am so excited for this show. And also, as we know, as we know and have always known, I will always and have always stand for Shan. So I am just hopeful that as he brings on Tamara Judge, who we need to hear from, please, Jeff Lewis, with Jeff Lewis has issues, please bring Shannon Bodor onto the show. I would literally die. Um, are you going to listen to Jeff Lewis has issues? I'm so excited. I, I am definitely going to listen to Jeff Lewis has issues because I too have issues. So <laughs> I like to. <laughs> Best favorite show ever. Oh my God, I'm obsessed. I am obsessed. No, but I love it. And I, I used to watch Flipping Out specifically mm. for his flip out moments mm -hmm. because there was no better title for that show because I didn't realize that he was going to be so volatile before I started watching it. But that's what I look forward to the most. So I'm hoping that he still has some of that same volatility and he brings it to the show. I mean, how could he not? How could he not? And so shout out to Jeff Lewis. He has issues. You have issues. I have issues. We're all very excited to hear more of his. And thank you for sponsoring this episode. I do want to discuss a satchel of gold. And guys, you know, satchels of gold are listener thoughts and feels, questions and concerns that you send to me as you are watching and reacting to all things housewives. And of course, they're named in honor of Her Holiness, Kelly Kaloran Ben Simone. I have a satchel of gold from Stewart in Ravenstone, United Kingdom, a place that feels like it gives me big Harry Potter energy and I'm here for it. Yes. Raven, right? It's like very, feels very just like mysterious and dramatic. And Lord um, of the Rings. Right? A little bit. Um, okay. So here is a satchel from Stuart who says, the issue with Erica, irrelevant of all the legal stuff, is she is drip feeding all this information, but it's not coherent and done in a bombshell kind of way. As Kyle said, which I'm glad she asked, if you learned he had or was cheating, why didn't you leave her saying where would I go doesn't change anything because the question is why leave now then unless you know more than what you're saying also as the audience she is now changing five seasons of narrative of her marriage and expecting the audience to believe what she is saying now and not then we got glimpses of the power dynamic in their marriage before but she has always been honest about that and we as the audience gather that she accepted that for the benefits of their marriage it's difficult for an audience to accept the past was a lie and now isn't it just makes us question what she was saying even more especially when she very clearly can manipulate what she does and doesn't want us to know i mean wait what was his name again stewart and raven ravenstone uk Stewart in Ravenstone, UK. You right? pretty much wrapped up everything that we said in a mm -hmm. nice, very succinct bow. Mm -hmm. I could not have stated it more eloquently or better. And I think he hit the nail on the head with the utter confusion of it all for us as viewers. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I feel like to not discuss 
the conflict inherent in the ways that we are understanding her challenges is to not be real real or honest about the struggle that many of us now face and go on as we hear more because it is possible to feel empathy for what she's experiencing shock for what her friends are going through as they now try to navigate their understanding of their good friends real life or lack thereof the challenges around that and how that was presented and also understand that this show is built around Erica's journey, her experience, and what happens when her friends hear more. And it is not wild for people to also say, okay, and yet there were real victims whose lives were forever further tarnished because someone manipulated their trauma to buy her a dress. You know, you know, what's also interesting, and I think that I read a I read a quote about this, I'm going to see if I can pull it up, but it it really goes back to this idea of developing such the danger of developing such a curated um, persona on a reality mm. TV show, um, because if you take away one of the Jenga blocks Mm -hmm. It can easily all fall down. Whereas you have other characters like a Kyle or like a Sutton or like a Garcelle who, at least for the most part, they're actually just living. They're living, their lives are a little bit messy. You know what I'm saying? There's no curated image. You know, with Dorit, it's, it's, it's just fashion glam mm -hmm. and really not to deviate from Erica she doesn't she hasn't given us much else in the past few seasons and so when you look at Erica now we're seeing the actual pretty mess mm -hmm. and not the curated uh glamazon who's just the the cold ice queen that she has sort of developed herself into over the past several seasons someone removed a jenga piece and now it's crumbling down mm. yeah and we're all left to think like were we all participants in this game you know like how much of our yes queen and like whatever else was related to the fact that people were like, there's a difference between saying like, oh, this person isn't my favorite or, oh, I love this person or like however you want to look at the ways that we view housewives through the lens of our own sense of humanity, being a human person, behavior, triggers, whatever it is. And with Erica, it's like, okay, well, people used to defend her and be like, okay, well, there's a reason that she's seemingly quote-unquote cold or you know it's things that happened from her childhood or whatever else or there's a reason that she's you know losing her mind um on that boat when someone's like raising the idea of her son and she's misunderstanding because she's at an 11 or whatever else like there are ways to discuss her and empathize with her and maybe criticize the way this, that she's behaving on tv but this is just like at a very different level like the I, the Sonia of it all Sonia made a terrible business decision because she right. wanted to be like uh you know 
big time producer and she put all of her eggs in a basket and then it didn't work out and she had to declare bankruptcy as a result. So did we see the minutia of her meeting with lawyers on New York? We didn't, but we felt it for a number of seasons. One could argue that in many ways we still do the idea of her trying to claw her way back to that, you know, French chateau that she had to sell because she wanted to make it big on her own terms. Like there's the that. Then there's the idea that Erica was creating this alternate persona, this performance that she had for many years prior to BH, but took on a very, very different level after starring on the show. And we got to see her become her own person and be really successful and book a show on Broadway and all this good stuff. And now we're understanding the cost of that, like the cost of Sonia's poor decisions. The victim of that was Sonia. Like she had to pay back a lot of money and then a whole fucking ton more because of the legal costs and everything else. She had to make a number of difficult choices in her life because she made a really bad one several years ago. The Erica stuff is like people asking, okay, where in here, where in this was like Erica making decisions when it just comes to like booking a show, booking glam, spending all this money, not asking anything about where it came from, having questions about how Tom was fading from view or whatever else and maybe not telling anybody about it. But we are watching we have watched her present this like life of fabulosity and glam. And we're asking, when are you going to address the cost? Like Sonia always to an extent that people that annoyed people always discussed the harm that her decision had on her life and her struggle to get it back. What people want to know from Erica is like, is there going to be a shift in which we continue to understand the stress on your life, but you introduce the idea that you benefited from this thing that harmed a lot of people. You know, that is to me that it is a large difference, but it is, and it is a, a, a difference in character in the ways that some people are comfortable with discussing really difficult challenges that they're going through. And it is also the understanding that with the legal pressure against her, she may feel or have been told that there is stuff that she cannot broach. But we're all leaving out the big asterisk, which is that online she's saying all she's giving us a wink and a nod at like this single most difficult time. And now she's expecting us to empathize with her in ways that she seemed to say was almost ridiculous on her gram, you know? Yep. Especially in the lead up to the show Mm -hmm. and everything. So while she was actually living the show socially, she was presenting exactly a middle finger Mm -hmm. to a certain degree, Mm -hmm. a metaphorical middle finger. Mm -hmm. And now that we're seeing the show, we're supposed to empathize with what she's giving us, but also remembering the middle finger. 
Yeah, she's filming these scenes where she's obviously broken down or at some extent broken down, broken open, however you want to look at it. And it's like, okay, but when was she posting those photos of those confessionals where she looks like a Barbie doll alien? Like, when is she doing these things where she's like, you know, yes, queen, go off, like, however you want to characterize her very alpha energy online, which felt really dismissive and disrespectful. So she is carrying on the Erica Jane of it all online. But on the show, she's like, wait, 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 but back to Erica Girardi, back to Erica Girardi. But there's a conflict, which also, as you so astutely said, in the timing of all of this, which is another layer of confusion. Like, which part of this are we supposed to trust? Because I get the, like, snaps energy on social, but it is so deeply rude, which I know is, like, I guess a part of your persona. But you're showing us a very different side of that in maybe that same real time. Like, how are we supposed to understand this? I would have to believe that she doesn't, I, I cannot believe that she would have a PR team that would be advising her because in my, and I used to work in PR. Mm. So for me, just with my understanding of, you know, how the public views people, especially in times of great strife, um, I definitely would have advised her against posting probably anything for a while for a while except maybe motivational things things that were invoking um uh, positivity or something of that nature which was which is possible to do and still be fashion forward you know so to speak but i just i can't i can't imagine that she had anybody advising her outside of mikey I mean, my God, um, how how would she do that, though? Like, let's let's be very, very realistic to the Erica of it all. In no way is that in any way associated with the Erica Jane persona, which is something that she obviously is probably uh, as obsessed as one can be with continuing because, my God, does she need a revenue stream right now? Does she feel like the character of it all is something that she sort of has to continue that like, I know I'm going to show you a vulnerable side on TV. So I'm just going to assume that you're okay with me masquerading as I normally do online. I think at that point, it's about rebuilding Erica Girardi. Um, I think that there's a time for Erica Jane and that is the stage. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. And if it were me and if I were branding her, if I were on her team, it would be now was the time to present to the world Erica Girardi. And Erica Girardi is going to tell her story. And this is who you're going to be seeing from this point forward. And, and smartly, what I would do is tell her, we need to save Erica Jane for when it's time to start working on music again. Put that pain that Erica Girardi felt into the music because that's what's that's how it's been done. That's what happens in the music industry. That's where you get your best, your best work. And that's how you put that to use. But I think for right now, in this year and in this time, everything would be who is Erica Girardi now? And how do we rebuild her and bring her back from the ashes after this whole thing has been said and done? That's what I would focus on if I were her. Because if you're giving us that in the season when you're filming it, you you 
you better prepare us for it in social media in the lead up to this because now we as as you noted we have a we have a problem here and i feel like a good branding agency or a good pr professional would have been able to say this is how we're going to maneuver through this or a good crisis manager this is what we're going to be doing we're going to show the world a softer side of erica girardi and that's how we do it has she ever shown Erica Girardi online? Hasn't it always been Pretty Mass? Hasn't it always been Erica Jane? How would someone build upon something that we now know was a complete mirage and is a kind of herself, of her personhood or whatever else that prior to this coming out, she sort of barely acknowledged how do you do that shift? I, I think that the divorce, the moment that divorce announcement came out, that was the time to start the rebranding. You know, this is the time for you to really be soul searching because listen, she's doing it on the show. She's turned the switch on on the show. She's showing up to scenes and, and they can't see me. I mean, when they listen to this, but she's, you know, mm. Feigning, the, the, yeah. The cry, the the mascaras running down the face. So, in fact, there is a pretty mess there. But at the same, by the same token, she's giving us emotion. So let's. It's. I think at the the time of the divorce, it was time to break down those walls and give us the real person. Show us the real person that's under there, and you can start showing that socially, so that at least when we start to see the show. We don't have the the memory of the middle finger that we've continuously gotten on social media. In the words of Melbourne housewife Petty Fleur, she needs to switch the bitch. Isn't that what Petty? Did you ever watch there Melbourne you go. switch the the bitch switch? Yes, I In follow. I follow her. Petty Fleur. Yes. How's she doing? <laughs> <laughs> I haven't seen her post that recently, but I, I follow bet. her on on Instagram. You know, she was an interesting one, too, because she had this, like, very glam, luxe life or whatever, and then I think broke up with her boyfriend, and mm -hmm. he, like, kicked her out of the penthouse and all that. Mm -hmm. Maybe maybe Erica Jane should call, of all people, Petty Fleur in <laughs> Australia and get a little bit of advice. Listen, can I ask you one more quick question about Beverly Hills before we shift to Potomac in our closing Absolutely. minutes? <laughs> Absolutely. Um, what, um, listen, Kathy Hilton. Do we want her to be full time? What do we do with a, a delightful, just really, truly, my God, what a tall glass of water she is on this show. What what would you like to see from her next season? I would like her to remain a friend. Mm. I I can I say and can I be real with something? Obviously, my Always. my my thought about Kathy is I just don't want for people to do what I typically see happen to a lot of people who are at one time, everybody's loving. And then a year later, they've dug up something that happened in mm. 1985. And now they're going to drag her for it and bury her. I want Kathy to remain a wonderful dandelion, just <laughs> low, you know, just, just, swaying in the wind and I feel like the best way for her to do that is to remain a friend remain on the peripheral but still maintain a steady flowery fragrance throughout the show 
She is so valuable to mm-hmm. this show. And also the moments of light with her and Kyle, these things that we've never really been able to see with Kyle and Kim for reasons that mm-hmm. are understandable, understanding like Kim's challenges and the difficulties there. It just feels so natural and so fun. And I can see Kyle relishing in it. She is so happy to be on good terms with her sister. And I fucking love to see it. I just do. I really do. It makes me so happy. It is really awesome, especially knowing what they've been through and the things Mm -hmm. that she's been through with Kim and the things she's still going through with Kim. Mm -hmm. I think that it does bring out this sort of lighter and brighter side of Kyle. And and honestly, Kyle's always been one of my favorite housewives, uh, especially in Beverly Hills. Mm -hmm. She's been very consistent. She's she's in the show. She's in it like every scene, every season she's in it, whether you like something she did or you didn't like what she did, she's in it. And I don't feel like she has bad intentions. I just feel like she either makes a mistake or she, whatever happens, happens. But um, yeah, I, I enjoy Kathy a lot and I want to keep enjoying her. And I hope that people keep enjoying her without doing what normally happens. And I hate that that happens. And I hate that I have to say it, but I just don't want them. To, and I don't, I don't know who the them are, but hopefully it never happens. Yeah, I completely agree with you. And I love that you said Keeper as a friend of because I think that's the exact right energy. And she's still present for the group stuff. Like she Absolutely. Is, she's a friend of Plus, but my God, w- what a great addition. Genuinely, mm-hmm. like truly, she is fantastic. And I just think this is such a fucking incredible season. And the fact that, listen, we just spent essentially an hour talking about Erica Jane. And I feel like there is so much we could say. Like, I could talk about this stuff with you forever because it is so fucking interesting to me. Selfishly, <laughs> I truly, like, I cannot get enough of it. And also, the fucking mood swings that if just even in my reactions to stuff of the Erica Jane of it all, probably from an AG episode a month ago, six weeks ago, whenever to now, I think that every episode I've had or thought a different kind of reaction to what we're seeing, which is to me possibly chaotic, but also really it's such a show and a value, an example of the value of this season of Beverly Hills. The way oh, yeah. that we can watch it and be influenced and have our minds change consistently or open our minds or challenge each other. I mean, this is a total, it is such, it feels like, my God, like forget, throw last season in the river, never think about it ever again, and just let's like swim in this forever. But I need to talk to you about what's like. Because (laughs) I feel like I watched it again. Obviously, I watched Potomac and Beverly Hills again this morning. The Wendy and Mia of it all. Love it. Love it. But also, what's happening? I'm so (laughs) into it. But, like, can you tell me your perspective of, like, what's Wendy's experience of all of this? Because something is obviously going on. And I am fixated. I'm obsessed. Everybody. So I just did a video about this yesterday. And when I read the comment section, 
everybody wants to know what is it about Mia that bothers mm. Wendy mm. so much? Because, you know, Wendy seems to be literally on her like white on rice at every single turn. And don't get me wrong, I do believe that Mia is throwing a bit of chaos and confusion in, mm -hmm. but in a very delightful way, okay? She's mixing it up. She's giving us some wild card energy, which I feel like is definitely needed on a show like this. Mm -hmm. And so the dynamic is just remaining so unpredictable and I, I, I can't figure it out yet. And I don't want to figure it out. To be honest with you, I'm just enjoying whatever they're doing. It is so good. And Mia is bringing in the most interesting kind of like low-key chaos. The fact that she's like <laughs> at that, at the dinner, she's like, you know, uh, Karen's a great friend of mine. I love her so much. But you know what? In the two minutes that I've been sitting by Giselle, I am willing to say that Giselle and the basis for this feud, which has been going on for over a decade, <laughs> it's maybe like a little more even handed because not to say that I've watched the show before, but just sitting next to this person, I understand energies and I'm going to change the energy in this room by me saying that maybe I'm a little bit teen. Giselle that is an iconically wild choice and then a second later I forget if this was in this week's episode or in a preview because I've watched all of it so many times but like her being like but you know Giselle also did some stuff that I don't like with like the man or whatever so you know maybe I dislike her too I mean chaotic <laughs> so chaotic so delicious and delightful and wild wild AF wild and i think that is it, it's a reminder of what can happen when you do trust the process of you know new casting mm. you know what i mean mm -hmm. and i think potomac has done such a great job which is so interesting of they've been the franchise that's had like what four ogs for like forever the longest time i believe yeah. the, at this point and still managed to bring in very dynamic new faces. It's, it's, I think they just have a recipe for success there. And not to mention the editors. I don't oh know, I don't know who they have editing Potomac, but they never leave, need to leave. And they actually need to give some master classes to some of the other franchises. I mean, I cannot believe that Potomac and New York exist in the same planet at the same time because putting aside Beverly Hills, because God forbid I'll start talking about Erica Jane and we'll be here for a few more hours. But, and you can see it in my head. You can see it, Richie Sky. I'm like, oh my God, but maybe I can switch, turn it back. Potomac, the fun and delight and the wink, there is a constant wink to the audience in the editing of Potomac that brings me so much joy. It feels like the people, and who knows, I do think this is true, but I also have no fucking idea, so truly, again, please tell me to go fuck myself, but like, it feels like everybody on that show is having fun. Like, it feels like yes. there is such a light that's, like, it feels like you're in the editing suite and an editor is, because I, I know how this, in, in Hollywood, like, they're turning to each other in that suite that they work on at the same time 
during COVID. It's like you're turning to someone and be like, you know what would be really fun is like if we add this little thing at the bottom that shows the poll and the possible answers and the like. Yes. I mean, it's just so fucking delightful to watch. It really is. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so I, to me, I've enjoyed Potomac since season one. And I think mm-hmm. it's probably because, you know, I've lived in D.C. for quite some time, even though I moved to other places, but I've, I've come back. But, you know, it, there's something magical about D.C. And I love that they are able to showcase the magic of it and the zaniness of mm-hmm. of these women in such a way that it, it never feels predictable. Like, I generally don't know aside from the uh Giselle and Robin dynamic I generally don't and even Robin threw some shade at Giselle this in this past episode about her her west wing oh my God. but which so, was also a delight so for me I didn't expect that oh my god the house is <laughs> god awful looking on the I actually can't get past the outside like the inside I was like oh that's cute and like she's making this other room because there's she actually has now too many rooms so she's like figuring stuff out like god bless that outside is and I don't know anything about anything but Oh my God! What? It's horrific. It's horrible. What it is that? Is an investment horrific. property? I don't know. I'll never have enough money in which to have that conversation. But like, is that is that really an investment property? If that if are people going to want to live there? It could have been done a lot better. It should have been done a lot better. And um, I just hope that they don't show it again. That's the only time that someone's going to say, I hope they just don't show it in any uh, ever again in any context associated with Potomac. I did enjoy her glam room, though. Yeah. I, I, I felt great. like, OK, this is a nice little suite that you have for yourself here in this oddly spaced place. But I, I'm here for it. I mean, she has genuinely the most instinctively bad taste or style. Her instincts are so are so bad when it comes to like personal aesthetic. And I love that for her. It's actually something, one of many things that I really do enjoy about Giselle is like, wow, you think that purple looks good and like good for you. Like I, I love that she, she will only ever triple down in every way. We see that in her behavior on the show and we see that in the fucking paint on her walls. You know, and the funny thing about it is she's such a gorgeous woman. She really has, she, she doesn't really have to do much, but she always does the most. And it's like, why are you doing all of this? You don't need to do anything. Just show up and be glamorous. But she, I don't know if she maybe just doesn't invest in like a stylist because I know that Karen does, you know, I know Mm -hmm. she's Mm -hmm. working with her teams and whatnot. Mm -hmm. But I think, you know, for someone at Giselle's, and maybe and maybe it's a good thing because I think that maybe it keeps her relatable. Yes, I completely agree. I don't want just like New York glam makes no sense and is actually a complete distraction. Like truly, what are in Salem, Massachusetts, you feel like you need a glam team like, OK, like a native. I'm a native New, York, New Englander. Shout out Rhode Island. In no way would that ever. That is so wildly dumb to me. It, it makes no sense. And it feels like you're it feels like children playing like house where you're playing housewife when you're a New York housewife with glam like that. It will never make sense. And you need to like maybe grow up a little bit. But then in Potomac, it's like, listen, if Karen is has a stylist, God bless her. Most of these women do. <laughs> if Giselle continues to choose not to. God bless her even more. I, I it feels like even in 
the elevated world of filming a TV show, the women in Potomac are so true to themselves in good ways and not that make the show continue to make sense and better year after year. I think the other thing that we can just maybe, I don't know, take a, a cue from, and this is no disrespect to any celebrity, but I think there's some merit in casting unknown women. Yes. Oh my God. Um, because it allows us the joy of discovery. Mm-hmm. And I think when you get unknown characters, um, there's a bit of zaniness that exists right here, typically in our neighbors, mm-hmm. in the people who live around the corner. You know what I mean? And I, I don't think that hiring celebrities is always the best way to go because I think that that's brings in an expectation that there's going to be glam, that there's mm-hmm. going to be, you know, this high maintenance thing when all the women are on vacation and half of them, we, we know what, what, what uh, blown out hair from a beach looks like, you mm-hmm. know what I'm saying? Versus mm-hmm. a blowout from the stylist, you know what I mean? And, and so it doesn't match. Yeah, I feel like there has been the presentation, the artistry of Rich that we have seen on Beverly Hills and now sidebar, switching back to Erica Jane, sometimes we know that cost. (laughs) But like we have seen the idea, the illustration of Rich on certain franchises. Maybe you could say that a little bit about Dallas too. And then there are other franchises like maybe New York, New Jersey, definitely, definitely Potomac where the rich comes into the actual content itself. Like we know these are women living elevated lives or telling us they are, or maybe navigating what happens when it's all taken away and you're rebuilding a la Robin. But the, the richness is in sometimes like the actual quality of the presentation of all of this. Like I'm never watching Potomac and thinking about the presentation of all of it like we're seeing these beautiful tablescapes these beautiful dinners whatever else but because the quality of the show is so good that is what we're seeing that is the glam that's the Mm -hmm. outlet that's the elevation when we think about the illustration and the elevation and the aesthetic appeal the appeal of Potomac is the women of Potomac in every Mm -hmm great way and it also feels like this season I don't know how they would have been able to in the smallest of ways coexist if Monique and Candace were on at the same time let alone like Monique and Giselle and it just feels like this was the right move for everyone and I think also for people it's so helpful to know that Monique is one of the very few people who made that choice for herself to leave, which I think also helps with that transition that it's like, Mm -hmm. okay, she made the choice to leave and everyone is choosing to move on. And I think it shows the power of, and the talent, like the glory, not to pull out these words, but like of watching Potomac in the sense that we're not constantly talking about last season. They addressed it head on in the first episode. And now we are all keeping it moving with Mm -hmm. winks and nods. When this stuff comes out about Eddie Giselle's work behind the scenes to make it happen, 
then we're like, oh, well, we've seen other examples of this most certainly last season, so we can all discuss it, but we don't need to see the focus on it except if Wendy is bringing it up. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Don't you think? Mm-hmm. A little bit. I think you hit the nail on the head with that. I mean, it's it's funny because as I've tr- I've said this, you know, on, on my videos, I'm trying to go into this season with a fresh perspective and mm-hmm. with a fresh slate, but you know, as the Eddie and, you know, Wendy rumors surfaced. Mm-hmm. And and to be clear, I had actually heard them as well, you know, just, just in reading stuff online. Oh my I God. didn't hear it from any, I never heard it from like a person that I know or anything like that. I had just seen them online. Um, I never discussed it on my channel, um, mostly because I, I like news that's uh, fun news. And mm-hmm. to me, I don't, I don't like the, I don't want to, I've just sort of veered away a little bit from the stuff that may do harm to like a marriage or something. Mm-hmm. I just didn't want to, I just didn't want to touch it. Um, so it's interesting to me in my mind, knowing how I was thinking about it. And I don't begrudge anybody else who may have talked about it or discussed it in their, on their own platforms. I want to make that clear. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was just so interesting to me because Wendy said something, she said, you know, in, in, a, in an interview, she said, I expected, and I'm paraphrasing, mm-hmm. I expected it for it to be talked about on the blogs because that's what, you know, that's that's what they do. I get it. That's how they make their money. She said, but, you know, for you as a castmate and a, and a so-called friend to bring it to the show, that to me or to her was the thing that was bothersome. Right. And so then you add that layer to the fact that we were, you know, told that, hey, this whole thing from last year came from Giselle as well with regards to a family and that sort of thing. So it you can't forget it. I can't. It's hard to wipe the slate clean when I see that same action happening again. And Wendy is having to address her head on for doing the same thing all over again. That's frustrating. I mean, the Jamal of it all, Giselle's reaction was like, of course, it's not true. Moving on, yada, yada. For Giselle to have directly gone through that experience while at the same time before or after allegedly bringing up the Chris Samuels of it all, knowing the harm that that can do to someone, but feeling like it's a part of her job description and then doubling down this year again after having gone through it on the show because of Jamal's whatever Jamal was doing but most importantly what people were saying Jamal was doing as a woman who literally went through this cheater cheater pumpkin eater and got divorced as a result for her to know the stakes better than maybe anyone else and continue to use them to like drive one into Wendy's heart I mean it is fascinating because you could argue it's a distraction from the Jamal stuff you could argue she feels like this is what she does best on the show and she feels like she has a responsibility to do it you could argue she doesn't like Wendy and wants to make her feel bad like whatever the reason is it's fascinating to watch someone who couldn't be more well aware of the cost and yet is constantly doing the deed but you know what's also funny, and then I'm gonna I, I'm gonna contradict myself just a little bit here. Love, my favorite why thing not? to do. My favorite why not? Thing to do. My favorite thing. You know, 
one could argue that Giselle has a very smart way of handling those situations. Mm. Really, she just talked her way through the Jamal situation, the embarrassment of it all, and came back and said, you know what? It was the distance. And this is, to me, I, I hate when this happens because I, I hate when, when, when it's, you're trying to tell me that it's raining, but you're really peeing on my back. Um, <laughs> we all know exactly why this wouldn't work because he literally said it out of his mouth that he would never do that show again. But I digress. The way she still just carries on as though her version of what happened is the only version that ever existed. As if Monique and Karen just lied and none of it was ever, there was never any truth to any of it. And she just kind of carried on without really breaking that much of a sweat, even though she faced some very public humiliations at the hands of him, mostly. Mm -hmm. um, it's fascinating that she seems to be able to take whatever is thrown at her and just breezily make her way through. Maybe she has the expectation that everyone else will do the same. Do you think she's I don't thinking know why. that far ahead? Do you think she's thinking that I don't far think ahead? she's thinking that hard. I, I don't think she's thinking that far ahead. What I think in my mind personally, I don't know this to be true. I think she is thinking, oh, this is going to make some good TV. And is there, I mean, are you hearing anything from people in the cast, from your sources, from whomever else about even the Karen and Giselle? Like, is this going to go anywhere? And trust me, I will enjoy the destination, the, the drive regardless. But like, are they ever going to be able to come to some sort of peace where they can go back to the frenemy ship or is this enemies for good how are you watching this what are you hearing so i'm just gonna put together i can put together my context clues and and we'll go from there um i've really not heard a lot about their dynamic mm -hmm. as much as from what i've seen from the trailer is that they kind of maybe get into it maybe maybe once or twice more but at a certain point, it seemed like it from the trailer, it seemed like Karen was just starting to ignore her. Mm -hmm. So then my other context clue is that I've seen photos from Karen's vow renewal. So having seen those online and knowing that Giselle was there, now I am hearing that she didn't maybe want to be there, but given the fact that she was, I'm assuming that they could at this point in time now be in an okay place but I would assume that because Potomac so greatly hinges on Giselle and Karen's dynamic mm -hmm. that they will always have to be up and down for the show to work is Monique watching the show I don't know honestly I so I typically talk to her, maybe, I talk to her frequently, but I haven't asked her about the show since it's been on because once mm. before it started, she lost T'Challa, then mm. it was my birthday. Mm. And so, you know, she did wish me happy birthday. We got all that stuff out of the way and I, you know, the condolences and stuff like that. But after that happened, I'm very weird about, you know, when someone passes, like, um, I, I do my best to check in mm -hmm. 
but I also do my best to give space totally and just sort of say, you know, I'm here just checking on you, but I know that there's a going through period, Mm -hmm. but I also want to make sure that my presence is known minimally. Mm -hmm. So I I don't know. I think that's great. I also just, and you know, uh, the loss of T'Challa was a loss to all of us. We genuinely, Mm -hmm. no joke. I fucking loved that bird. Like I loved him. He felt like a member of the Bravo family. Obviously they were besotted with each other. Are, are we ever going to find out, what happened she said it was a crazy accident I haven't stopped thinking about it are we ever and obviously she's not in a place now nor should she to discuss that but like are we ever going to find out oddly I didn't ask her what happened Mm -hmm. I just sort of wished her you know gave her my condolences and just sort of have told her I've been thinking about her but I'm assuming at some point in time she will say something because in general she's pretty open she is yeah 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 and I just think people are just want to know and and oh yeah you know as we all you know send her so much love and speaking of love do you think that she'll ever return to Potomac to the show no no really (laughs) I think that's a hard no I think you know um, I think upon leaving the show, I think she felt a weight was lifted off her shoulders mm-hmm. and she could just be the Monique that I feel like so many of us know her to be. Mm-hmm. Because I think what you got on the show was definitely parts of her. But if you to know the real person, I, I sort of liken her to like a mountain woman or a woman of the earth. You know, mm-hmm. she's very... She's very earthy. She's very um, caring. Mm -hmm. She's very, I love animals. Like if there's an animal, she's going to like find it and care for it. She's just that type of girl. And she's just very giving. If you, if people need something, she's the first to, you know, provide or do something for. So, and she's like full of resources. If I say, if I literally said, you know, hey, I was thinking about doing this and she's literally pulling out her phone and saying, hey, okay, call this person and do this and do that. Um, So on the show, you just don't get that. And she was never able to, I don't think really relax Mm. because of there. I think there was a dynamic on the show where you kind of have to be on guard a lot. And I think that that's just not how she wants to live. I mean, I cannot imagine the stress of it, especially when you forget the cameras are there, because I would think like, what the fuck did I just say three hours ago? And is someone going to yell at me about that in eight months? You know, that's a lot. That's, that's it. And she's like that too. Like her and Chris, they joke around a lot. And so, you know, I think if there was, some people would maybe take offense to something that is highly innocuous mm. and literally joking. And I don't, I don't think she wants to be concerned about that type of thing anymore. Mm-hmm. So I think she's being such a free spirit. I think that she's just happy living. And how do not you- to say that I don't think she would ever do TV again. I just don't think she oh, would totally. do that show. No, I totally hear you. Yeah. And how do you feel watching the Candace journey of it all? It does feel like a new chapter in many ways for the show and for those of us watching. Yeah. How are you getting through it? Navigating So it? to be real, you know, there are things that I know that 
occurred between her and other people that I know um, that I just didn't like. Mm-hmm. Okay. And, you know, I've talked to you about some of, yeah, yeah, some yeah. of those things as well. Um, having said that, um, because I do review the show, I also have to try to look at her from an objective stance mm-hmm. and hope that um, she has grown because I am not the person I was last week, 30 minutes ago or yesterday, right? So I have to allow her that opportunity and I cannot hold her hostage to that. Mm-hmm. Um, my hope is that we see different sides of Candace this season and that we get you know, more depth and more light, uh, more levity. And um, I'm, I'm, hope- I'm hopeful. I am enjoying seeing her journey as a singer because I think that um, she is gifted in that area. I think there's more to explore with her relationship with her mother. Um, I think that there's something there. It's interesting that the, you know, the stepkids have been added into the mix. Mm. Although uh, Chris's daughter does look slightly uncomfortable being on camera, which Mm. she just could be shy. I don't know. But um, so there's that dynamic as well. And it would be very interesting to see her venture into the journey of motherhood, because I do think that that would, you know, change her bravo has invested in her in her Mm -hmm. staying on the cast so i also feel like as i'm following erica's journey i'm gonna follow candace's journey as well oh my god richie sky how can people find you online follow you listen to you watch you i mean like your photos (laughs) how can i not tell us everything you guys can hopefully stalk me at everything <laughs> at DJ Richie Sky. That's D-J-R-I-C-H-I-E-S-K-Y-E. And you guys can also listen and watch me on YouTube, usually five to six or seven days a week on my YouTube channel at DJ Richie Sky as well. Just a casual five or six or seven days a week. This man does not stop and I am obsessed with him for it. Um, Guys, exciting news. The Andy's Girls Patreon Summer Zoom Winter Charm Patreon Kiki will be Sunday, August 8th at 5 p.m. Eastern Standard. Thanks to all of you for voting on those dates on Instagram and Patreon. And it's an exclusive hour-long Kiki with yours truly and more interesting Interestingly, for you guys, each other. <laughs> so it's, I've done this several times and it's so much fun. And it's a chance for AGs to interact and see and talk to each other about the shows, what's going on in the Bravo world. Ask me literally whatever you want and so much more. It's exclusive to Patreon AGs at the OG of the AG and people's people's couch levels on Patreon. So to get all of that glorious Zoom info, which will come out uh, in a little bit of time, uh, sign up or level up on Patreon. And I'm so appreciative of the support. And speaking of the support, I am so excited and so appreciative uh, to this week's sponsor for um, being a part of the AG community. So shout out to Jeff Lewis, his issues. And I am so excited for you guys to listen to that as I know I will as well. Follow me on Instagram at Dame Galley and uh, Richie Sky. Oh my God, a nine hour episode. You know, when I just see you, I can't stop talking. You know how obsessed I am with you. And anytime we collab is just like my favorite kind of kiki. So happy birthday, Mazel Tov. 
I mean, Lord knows you no longer have a fever, but I'm feeling hot after this conversation. That's all, <laughs> all that there is to say there. Thank you so much for having oh me. Oh my God. Thank you so much for being here. Guys, I hope you are staying safe and staying sane, getting vaccinated if you can. And we will talk to you soon. Bye-bye. Bye.